Delivering great-tasting product to your customers is important. Saving energy, space, and improving operational efficiencies is good for your bottom line. A perfect choice for convenience retailers, Adande Refrigeration's patented modular units deliver so many efficiencies, it's no wonder brands such as Sheets and Get-Go are installing these temperature-stable, hold-the-cold fridges across their U.S. food courts. When it comes to refrigeration, convenience is at the very heart of Adande Refrigeration. Learn how you can excel in food service, save time, space, and energy with Adande Refrigeration at adande.co.uk or adande.com. Professionals in the know, choose Adande. You're listening to Shop Talk Live, the podcast, brought to you by Global Convenience Store Focus. Shop Talk Live is a unique video and podcast series featuring senior retail executives in the global convenience, fuels, and mobility retail industry, hosted by Dan Munford and Carolyn Schneer. Welcome to Shop Talk Live, the podcast, and hello, Carolyn. Hi, Dan. Thanks for being with us today. Well, yeah, no, a uh, uh, pleasure. Now, um, we're going to talk about Ireland today, aren't we? The island of Ireland. And our big question, uh, why is Irish convenience and food retailing world class? And it is, isn't it? It is. I know um, here in America, which is where I am, um, we really look to Ireland for not only examples on where the future is, but we look a little bit towards the past too, because I would have to take a pretty good guess. And I think you could probably agree with me that a lot of the food service, especially here in the U.S., probably originated from some of the study tours folks came on and saw when they were in Ireland, because there are such rich examples that we brought that back here and uh, and then started our own because food service especially is still kind of in its infancy here in the U.S. So I would gather that a lot of what you see here at the rudders and the sheets and the really uh, best in class uh, retailers probably learned quite a lot while they were over visiting. Yeah, they absolutely absolutely did. And now, recently on on Global Convenience Store Focus, um, we had a very interesting article about this, which was had the same title: "Why is Irish convenience and food retailing world class?" Got a huge number of views, um, and uh, that was written by uh, Scott Anan, who's principal and founder at Blue and Ananta Limited, and um, Owen Clifford also contributed. Owen is head of retail sector at the Bank of Ireland. Now, I'd like to welcome both of you gents uh, onto the onto the podcast today. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. You've been a frequent guest on the podcast. Um, Owen, you, this is your first time. So, um, but, you know, you, you, you publish a, a lot on LinkedIn uh, on this mm. t- topic, don't you, Owen? Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Something I'm really passionate about, yeah. So um, perhaps we could just think about, you know, think about this, this big question. Um, uh, you know, really just thinking about um, the Irish market, Scott, give us a bit of background on on it and, and tell us about the market leaders. Well, I think I think if one one looks at Ireland, Dan, um, I, I had a lovely uh, description from an Irish retailer a couple of months ago that you've got the population of the island of Ireland is, you know, greater Manchester. And if you look at this sort of, 6.87 million population green island and you think well how on earth has this managed to become world class and i think if one looks at the structure uh, there's still a huge percentage of the market is family owned businesses whether that's the market leader with duns or whether it's the the two big wholesalers with their um symbol retailers 
which is, you know, Musgrave and BWG. So you you have a very different passion coming out where retailers are family driven. And then the other thing is it's such a competitive marketplace that the, the Irish consumer um, really, you know, doesn't go for anything substandard on food. They're, they're always looking for different tastes, different ideas. And if retailers don't stay ahead of that, then obviously they slip behind, they lose share. So in that sort of small green island, it is the most competitive marketplace I've ever seen anywhere in the world. And that just continues to drive this fantastic food retailing scene. Completely, completely agree. I, I think that competitive element is just is just, you know, tangible, isn't it? Every time you go to Ireland, there's there's a new there's something new, or it's very rare there's not mm. something new. Um, Owen, you you'd agree with that from a banking point of view. Uh, absolutely, Dan. Look, and I, I think for for me, um, there's probably two there's two elements, two key elements to the magic formula in Ireland. Number one is there's an innate entrepreneurial spirit in the Irish DNA. And, and the second one is, is more mundane than that. And it's it's probably necessity. And if I take the entrepreneurial spirit, the, the actual term entrepreneur, it was, it was coined by an Irishman, Richard Cantillon. And I think in recent, in recent times, we've seen that term probably hijacked by tech startups or biomedical startups. But in an Irish context, the embodiment of entrepreneurship is are our retailers. They're innovative. They're, they're open to new ideas. They're agile. They're brave. Um, they're hardworking. And as Scott outlined, look, it's, there's no coincidence that this innovative mindset has been nurtured in a market where independent family owned retailers have a significant market share because it's a, it's a really competitive market. You've got large international retailers here and the family owned retailers, they recognize, look, a generic cookie cutter offering, it just won't be sustainable, you know. So that's the necessity piece. So I think the combination of both of those is um, is the magic formula. And Look, I meet hundreds of retailers on an annual basis all over the country. And I, what I really admire is they're constantly challenging themselves. Does, you know, does my store reflect my community? Community is really important in the convenience and, and food retail context. Does it reflect uh, the vision and values of, of my customers? And there, there's a, a beautiful Irish word, a Gaelic word, spree. And it means enthusiasm and joy. And I think that captures the mindset of the best retailers in Ireland when they're developing their store strategy. They just want it to be a really enjoyable customer experience because, look, let's face it, grocery shopping, convenience shopping, it, for many people, is a really functional task. And without wanting to be you know, too cringe about it, um, these retailers, they want to put fun into a functional task. And I think that's what that differentiates them. You know, we've, re Scott outlined it, we have really high expectations here in Ireland, but these retailers, they're, they're meeting these expectations. They're exceeding the expectations on a on a daily basis, and long may it continue. You know. Yeah, definitely, and and thank you for sharing that. And the community aspect's pretty interesting as well. But I know in community, you both mean like being in touch with the community, but also in terms of food. Um, so Owen, I guess let me ask you, since we were just talking, um, what is next for um, Irish? food service uh is it is it more in store is it more fresh prepared is it more proprietary products is it more um branded you know what what are you seeing out there in, in terms of the at, at the moment what we're seeing the the proportion of of own brand or proprietary products that's definitely increasing and i think 
that's linked to what we're seeing around the world at the moment in terms of the, the, the cost of living and the inflationary environment that's there. So the proportion of, of sales that, that we're seeing from, from, a, from a retail perspective in own brand has definitely increased over the last 12 months. And it's something that retailers have been working on for, for a number of years now, but they're, they're getting into the stage where they recognize you need to have a, um, a real value pro- proposition um, along with the differentiated high standards that they that they present in store, it's it's um it's a footfall driver, and I think the key for the retailers then is right. We have this um lower cost offering, but how can we excite the customer and how can we make the customer get involved with the other areas where they can drive some more margin into their business, which is the the fresh food element, the deli, and 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 those and coffee sit down areas. So it's, it's nearly a gateway into the store is having the value proposition. We're seeing a lot more of that, Caroline. And it's a necessity, which I mentioned earlier, in a competitive market, retailers recognize they have to go down that route. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Owen on that one. I've, I've always been a fan of proprietary fresh food. And, you know, there's a couple of very simple strategic reasons for that. Uh, if you build your proprietary business, customers can't buy it anywhere else. So I think there's a first reason in terms of margin enhancement and in, in, in terms of differentiation. And what we've seen uh, throughout Ireland is retailers have really pushed this. And, you know, a recent example, uh, and, and this retailer uh, just got a Lifetime Achievement Award last week, which is, you know, milestone from Rathryland Newry in, in Northern Ireland. I mean, Tom and Anne have developed a business where 70% of what is sold in store comes under their brand, the milestone. And and that goes all the way from, you know, tonight's dinner all the way through to, you know, meat and produce, etc. But when we look at that differentiation, they're always pushing those boundaries, as Owen said. And that's very difficult to do if you're looking at ambient grocery. I mean, in Ireland, the the other two family-owned businesses are our German friends. You know, let's not forget that. But they're, you know, they're at 25, 26% market share. That's considerable. Well, both Aldi and Lidl, the Schwartz Group, are, are German family-owned businesses. And they only have really one strategy, which is lowest price core grocery. So if we are going to try and get ourselves around that, then proprietary, which is the basis of their business, of course, but proprietary fresh food, keep pushing that forward, keep innovating, keep doing something different is what, what makes this marketplace really successful. So uh, I'm a huge fan of food service. We do see... Um, uh, implants of franchise food service, obviously, in Ireland. Uh, there are some massively successful ones, but it's proprietary, in my view, that really makes it the most successful market. Oh, I think you're so right with that, Scott. You know, and I, I, I you know, it's. Uh, I can tell that you've got a lot of. Um, it, there's a lot of passion behind those points because you can see, mm-hmm. you know, you can see the success that some of these retailers, like obviously Milestone. Uh, the milestone store of you know have, have been having i mean just one question on this uh, I, I was in ireland a couple of weeks ago and uh, as 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 i i know you all have and you will carolyn in in february you we visited the donnybrook fair 
one of the Donnybrook Fair stores at Dundrum. And I was talking, I was talking to the team there. And I was just really interested. Obviously, it's a very nice store. Uh, anyone visiting it would 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 love it. And um, you know, I wish I lived near near a, a, a Dundrum Donnybrook Fair. But I thought the the bigger point to to your point about proprietary was the way Musgrave are, are making very clever use of the Donnybrook Fair brand. Um and there, you know, that's that's a bigger story, isn't it? Um, in terms of the, you know, the kind of premium proprietary product that is under the the Donnybrook Fair brand that you find in, I think it's, you know, close to a hundred um Musgrave, you know, Musgrave Centra and, and Super Value stores now. So that's an interesting development as well, isn't it, guys? Yeah, I, I was also in that store a couple of weeks ago, Dan, with uh, an Australian group, um, 45 Australian retailers. We were over and uh, we focused in that greater Dublin area. Uh, and our friends at Musgrave were you know, enormously helpful in, in terms of visiting that store. But if, if we look in terms of a strategy, you know, Musgrave, Centra, super value, massively successful, if you then look at Duns as the market leader, then obviously they are perceived as being much more premium. Uh, certainly, Owen knows knows a lot more about this retailer than I. But if you look at that Donnybrook Fair opportunity, then extending that into the right super values and the right centres, I, I I don't think it could go to them all. Uh-huh. But 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 certainly those ultra urban ones uh, that the the store that you visited. Then that's perfect. That that gives that competitive advantage. They could perhaps go head to head in in occasions with Duns, and again really start to drive it forward in terms of you know quality proprietary food. Yeah, it's a great that's a great point, Scott. Because I think it's it's something we're seeing more of in in certain in certain communities is the the partnership element. It, it's worked very well for. For Duns in some of their flagship stores, where they've brought in James Whelan's Butchers, they've brought mm. in um, Sheridan's Cheesemonger, they've brought in um, really specific fishmonger offering, and what that has done is it, it's it's helped their dry footfall into the business, and it's become uh, a differentiator for them in, in the marketplace. Where um, if you went back. 10, 15 years ago in Duns, it was a real value offering. And that was the offering that they were targeting where they've shifted their 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 offering towards a more premium element in what I call the first corner of the store. And that's now a gateway for, for customers to come in along with the, the a voucher offering which they have, which has been running, I think it's the longest running voucher offer in the world where you spend 50 and you get 10, 10 euros off. And again, I suppose the first corner helps in terms of that, you know. Well, absolutely. I, I've just got to throw one other thing in here, which is on the premiumization point, really, Owen, which is uh, which is the apple green move with Marks and Spencers. That that's a very it's an, another fair point. Again, it's 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 partnership, and we're we're seeing that 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 from an apple green perspective, and I think they they recognise that you know that the apple green model being um, the forecourt model initially, and the shift towards um, food and convenience, well. What else can we bring to the customer? So it's a, a take at Marks and Spencer would be known for dinner at home, evening meal. And again, it's a, another another it's a really strategic partnership because from a Marks and Spencer's perspective, maybe in Ireland, they would have felt that their their share of market was being taken by, by Duns and by Super Value, by Fresh, the good food market in terms of 
them offering a premium model. So now this opens up a, a new type of customer for Marks and Spencers in the in the Irish market as well. So very um, smart, smart strategic partnership. And I think we're going to see more of that happening um, in the next couple of years between intra-brand and also with food service and and with the, the, the retail brands as well, that you will have local butchers, local fishmongers taking up space nearly in a concession type offering within some of the larger stores, given that community feel to the stores and also driving additional footfall then into the retailers as well. So I it's been quite a while since I was in Ireland. Last time I was there, it was 2008, and it was a very different economic, um, well, uh, probably a very different economic time, um, go, rolling into a recession pretty deeply way back then. Um, and I'm excited to come back over in 2024 um, for my first time back. So I'm sure it's a lot different than uh, 15 years ago. But um, I know... Uh, at least here in the U.S., a lot of companies have been investing heavily in their uh, store, um, the actual physical store, and really upgrading those and the facilities. And um, Owen, I guess, how much have you seen in terms of, uh, you talked a little bit about changing what's been offering in terms of fishmongering and different um, experiential things, I think. Um, but in terms of, are uh, our stores really throwing a lot of investment towards whether it's just upgrading basically like to make stores and, and operations better, or are they just going all out and like just changing their entire persona, if you will? It's we've seen a lot of activity, Caroline, in terms of, in terms of revamp activity. I think what a catalyst for it has been the, the retailers getting smart in terms of, in terms of data. I look, you know, when all of us have recognized that the level of data and that's in, in retail is significant, but it was being a case traditionally of, data, data everywhere, but very little information where the best retailers have actually become really smart in terms of refining that data and using it appropriately. And what, what they've seen is that this, this has been a catalyst for, for investment activity because what we have seen in the market is that number one, you, you need to, to do, a, to do a, re, a revamp to, to maintain engagement with your customers when it's competitive, that's a given. But what we're also seeing where a, re, a revamp is delivered effectively, it's driving sales growth, it's driving margin growth, improved management of overheads. And this can be significant in a, in a tight margin business. What the differentiator that, that I'm seeing is that traditionally all of the focus in terms of a revamp would have been implementing the revamp, getting the revamp done, causing as little disruption as possible in the shortest window of time. Where now I think there's an acknowledgement that the planning element and the evaluation element post the revamp are equally important because what, what I've seen over the last 12 to 24 months is where the focus takes the traditional route and it's just about getting it done. It's what ultimately happens is what I call a, a Cinderella revamp. You're, you're seeing no pre-planning, no engagement with the customer, no engagement with the staff. And then you, you have the, the revamp. The revamp is completed. Huge fanfare, cut the ribbon of your new store, then no, no evaluation. And maybe two to three weeks later, it's the equivalent of the, the clock striking midnight and the the the, co the coach becoming a, a pumpkin again. You know, it's back to the status quo, and that's a really poor return on the investment, and it can have a, a really counter um, productive and, and demoralizing effect on the retailer because revamps at the moment there there's a significant cost involved in revamping the store, and I think if you're not getting that return on investment, well then that that means that the the staff become demoralized and the owner themselves 
are saying, why aren't we getting this, this return? So the, the post-evaluation for me is a key element. In terms of where the, the focus of the revamp is, is taking place and, and why it's happening, in the last 24 months, we've seen a huge um, increase in our energy costs here, look, dr driven by in international trends. And I think that that has been a catalyst then for focusing on, on energy efficiency within, within the store. So putting in um, fridges, LED lightings, better air con, air con um, facilities. The, the other area that we're seeing a lot of activity is, is what known in the sector is a store churn. Uh, Post-pandemic, there's been a lot of succession, people deciding to, to move on to something else. Other retailers saying, I want to consolidate, I want to get two or three stores and on, onto my portfolio. So what, what we've seen is when those retailers take on the store, they want to put their own stamp on the store then, obviously, you know. So that for me, look, that's, I suppose, that, that the most exciting part of my role, um, Caroline. We've seen supported retailers with about 100 million in the last 12 months. So it's great to see the pride that the retailers and, and their overall communities have in the stores when they're, when, when they're fully revamped. That's a great description of what's going on. And look, I look just on staying on your ROI point, and and I don't think we can have a podcast on 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 Irish retail without mentioning Thomas Ennis, can we, Scott? Um, no. Nope. So just on ROI point, you know, um, obviously what has got a lot of attention um, in uh, globally, actually, um, not just in Ireland, is is obviously when you have these ent empty city centre units, <clears throat> and, um, you know, then you get an entrepreneurial retailer come along and 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 uh, you know in 13 days create a, a convenient a spa convenience store you know what's what's your comment on that uh, from an ROI perspective Scott well I've I've been privileged to visit uh, with Thomas the store three times now uh, two weeks ago with the Australian group and there's a couple of things, Dan, in, in terms of different thinking. So you you have a an empty, a redundant city centre store. Uh, there's an awful lot of those, you know, throughout the islands, as we know. Um, but to make it happen, you you have to have a retailer with some different thinking. Oh. Uh, you also have to get support from the supply chain. So Thomas's um, partners at BWG have been absolutely terrific. The ability to open something in less than two weeks using, you know, uh, secondhand fixtures, uh, a lick of grey paint, and hey-ho, off we go. Uh, that is a terrific initiative. They've taken it further because they've they've gone back to a retro spa look. Uh, the store's got some great pictures of you know when the the Beatles and the Stones and other people were in Dublin. And and for for listeners who don't know, you know Thomas Ennis is probably the world's number one Stones fan. So. There's a there's a bit of retailing here. There's a, there's a, there's a little bit of history. There's certainly a lot of music, but that innovative thinking uh, does require all people to step up. And uh, maybe Owen knows more details, but sometimes local councils, local governments um, don't have the same vision, and you know are so fixated on what they want that they don't necessarily give breaks in terms of, you know, rates or taxation, which would really, you know, bring a whole rounded aspect to the strategy. So I think in this instance, 
certainly two sides of the triangle worked incredibly well. Uh, the other one perhaps hasn't worked as well as it may have done. Yeah, Dan and Scott, I think it's 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 definitely a work in progress that we're seeing. I had an opinion piece myself in one of the the, the national newspapers only two weeks ago around this piece around city centre development, and I think um, Scott has hit the nail on the head. We we need to see all parties working cohesively um, together to make sure that we do maximise the what is. Um, a flagship um, for, for us in our city centres. When tourists come to visit, we, we want to be de delivering the best for them. So we, we need to see all parties working together on it. So one last uh, topic, and, and, and I'll close us out here shortly. Um, Scott and Owen, um, in terms of labour, people working in the stores, um, personnel, are you seeing the same challenges that we're seeing here in the U.S., especially in the last few years, um, as well as I think the whole world is seeing this, too? Um, are you seeing this in Ireland in terms of attracting and retaining good or any workers, for that matter? Um, Scott, I'll start with you and, and just a real quick. Um, what, what, what are innovative retailers doing to, to fix that problem? Well, it's a it's a major issue. Caroline, I, I was in the US uh, for the last two weeks and talking to big and small retailers and, you know, hey ho, uh, you know, that was that was probably the, the first or second conversation. So if I go back to your initial question, um, retailers in Ireland who are focusing on proprietary fresh food, all day parts, uh, particularly food for tonight, dinner, they are making significantly higher margins. Now, obviously, they have much higher overhead, but certainly those retailers that I know, including Thomas Ennis, um, Tom McAvoy and Milestone, all the way down to, say, Derry, uh, sorry, down to Cork with, you know, Shane Cantillon, they are managing to retain people. And part of that is obviously what they are offering those people, the environment that they work in, and they have an ability to pay it. So as Owen said, you know, there are different types of investment. Those retailers have invested in electronic shelf edge labels, which give them lots of data and information. But more importantly, it takes away a lot of routine tasks some of those boring tasks. So the uh, the team members have an opportunity to do a lot more engagement with customers. They can focus on the whole area of fresh food. So it's margin driven, but yes, particularly in the cities, uh, Derry, Newry, Belfast, you know, um, Dublin, it is tough because a lot of people either no longer wish to work in those type of environments, um, they are put off a lot by, uh, sadly, the increase in crime. And, you know, I heard retailers talk to me about that in Chicago and Des Moines last week. Um, these are all issues don't really impact rural or, or, or semi-urban stores as much, but it is an issue. Uh, I can't see it going away. Retailers who uh, have the margin to invest will always be able to get better people and retain people. But the issue is the same, but perhaps not as extreme as, you know, I heard in the U.S. last week, Caroline. Well, that's good. Now, um, Owen, do you have a take on that and even any um, 
right? You can't really predict the future, but what you see coming down the road financially. Yeah, look, I think I think it's a it's a great it's a great point, and it's something that's re- really on the radar of all retailers at the moment. Look, for for me, it's um, being an advocate for retail as a career and making retail a career is something that I'm really passionate about because we need new blood, we need new ideas to keep the offering fresh and 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 innovative. And Scott is right. Look, I think automation can be very effective in in reducing time consuming tasks within the the store. And what that does is frees up time um, to focus on employee development. And that's the area you've got the staff element in terms of, you know, staff development. But what you want to look at is where are the next generation of retailers going to come from? So we need to see the best retailers um, that I have seen have have served their time um, with, with other retailers and then taken the, the step into um, store ownership themselves. And at, at the moment, the cost of entry uh, we're in an inflationary environment. The cost of entry is very, very high for new retailers. So that's a, a really important element of, of my role from a, a funding perspective is that I have to take a long view with these retailers and working with the brands to provide flexible funding for these retailers so they so they can take the first steps into, into store ownership and sustain the legacy and, and the high standards that we have here in Ireland because we need new retailers to ensure that there's ever more interest in and exciting stores for our international colleagues when you guys come to visit us on safari into the future. And, and that's a, a really important and, and, and uh, it's a part of my role that I take a, a lot of enjoyment from is, is supporting retailers take that journey from, from management into store ownership. Well, it's a very intelligent approach to to take that long term view, you know, and it's 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 paid it's paid off, hasn't it? You know, just looking at some of the success of those businesses that you're you're working so closely with, own. So, you know, hats off to you and the, and the Irish for, for for that. I I have I think one interesting point to close on. Of course, you know, we do love we do love coming uh, to learn from the Irish market, and um, you know, it's just it's just famous for for, for that, isn't it? And We'll be doing that again in February. And Scott, you're off, you're off and over as as well, I know. But you know, one other interesting point, you know, one of the stores that on that, as you know, we're very active on LinkedIn. Um, it's almost an obsession. And uh, you know, one of the one of the um I'd say, you know, the most uh, the most interest of any posts that we've done over the last uh six months or so um is in Bell a store in Belsize Park, uh, which is a cavernous um a cavernous uh budgeons. Um, and, um, it's, it's generated enormous interest in the, in the UK market. And I'd say, you know, further afield too. So, you know, and again, just to reiterate, I'm just really making your point again, uh, Owen, you know, and, and, and your point, Scott, it's just interesting when you, when you have a retailer who's prepared to really sort of put some big investment down, um, do something quite dramatic, um, they can carve out a niche for themselves in the London market too, can't they? Well, I, I've I've again visited the uh, Cavanaghs in Belsize Park a number of times, and was privileged that that Noel Cavanagh walked me through it. I also went to Donegal last month and and, and visited uh, some of his super value stores there. Yeah, I, I would I would love as as Owen said for everybody to be able to do that. And and if one looks at the technology investment there with you know shelf edge labels, cameras, etc., you look at the uh, the freshness of the proprietary product all the way through the store. 
then that is certainly leading edge and and you know it's a, a little bit of the best of Ireland has has dropped in in North London and I I would love to see more of that. The UK, uh, as we know, Dan has a very very different structure. If if one looks at independent retail across the island of Ireland, family owned retail, you know it it comes in at about sixty percent market share. Independent retail in the UK is is less than 1.5% market share. So there's a very different dynamic in terms of, you know, the supply chain, how retailers invest. But um, inspirational, absolutely, Kavanagh's, Belsize Park. And uh, I take whoever wants to, to learn, I take them there because to me, you know, I always walk out of there with a smile on my face. Absolutely. Look, um, guys, I think you've really done justice to the theme today. You know, fascinating discussion. I think perfectly ending with the point that there's a little bit Irish retail magic in North London. Um, if you don't necessarily just need to go to Ireland now, but of course, there's a lot more magic in the uh, in the island of Ireland to, to learn from from a retail perspective. So, so Scott, um, Owen, um, a pleasure to, for me and Carolyn to talk to you today. Thank you for listening to Shop Talk Live, the podcast. This episode was produced by Dan Munford and Nick Scherzer with support from Jenna Ferguson and Lorraine Evans. It was produced, edited, and mixed by Carolyn Schneer, and music was provided by Wolfgang Worley. Tune in every other week for new episodes, and please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and learn more at globalconvenienceStorefocus.co.uk.